maybe there's just an ingrained societal feeling that a, a divorce has to be, you know, butting heads. Right. You know, you know, it, ha it has to be War of the Roses, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is certainly the image that comes up. And yet you and I both know that it doesn't have to be that way. I am so excited to welcome Chris Farish, uh, who's here joining me today. Chris is a past president of the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals, which is an international organization charged with helping families find a more constructive way to resolve disputes. He also uh, is active in the collaborative movement here in Texas. He is the vice president of the family law section for the collaborative law of the State Bar of Texas, and also has served as a past chair of the family law section for the Dallas Bar Association. Chris is often recognized for his work in family law by his peers, uh, being listed on some of the best known lists, such as best lawyers, for collaborative law and family law, and also Texas super lawyers. Uh, thank you, Chris, for coming to join me today to talk about collaborative divorce. Well, thanks for having me, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Well, one of the questions I want to start off asking you is, why do you believe collaborative divorce is best for families? Well, uh, collaborative divorce is a different process. Um, it, it allows families the opportunity to really craft their own resolution. Uh, the problem with the with courts is the fact that you are taking what is intrinsically a an emotional and personal issue uh, involving families and children and, and how you're going to co-parent in the future, and you're just throwing that on the feet of, of a third party who's never met you and, and will never be involved in your family again. Um, in all likelihood, uh, you can have your divorce action in front of a judge, and if you ever needed to modify that, it would be a completely different judge who wouldn't know you who's making changes to what, what the first judge did. This process allows families to sit down and actually talk to one another, work through their differences, and find a way to move forward. It creates more lasting and more sustainable resolution. One of the things I love about the collaborative divorce process is what you were just touching on about going to the courtroom when we're not in a collaborative case mm -hmm. and you're kind of airing all the dirty laundry of the family. And you know, you think about the lasting impact that has on couples who have to then try and co-parent with each other after after they've, you know, told the whole world how horrible they are and of course these days things are being broadcast on on zoom on uh, youtube so it's even more public <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and collaborative really affords some privacy for families to work out those issues without having to have everybody in your business so well it, it's amazing the fact that families would ever want to go into a courtroom uh and and literally engage in a zero-sum game uh it, there's no winner. There's no loser. Uh, everybody loses if you're in the middle of a courtroom and you're just completely disparaging someone who you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. I mean, there are, there are times and there are places where court is the only only way to way to go about it. But in general, if you if you're going to raise your children together for the rest of your life, there's going to be birthdays graduations, weddings, family get-togethers, reunions, all of those things. You don't have to be best friends with your ex, but you do need to be able to coexist and co-parent. 
And the best way to do that is to actually try and come to a meeting of the minds and craft a resolution that's going to work for you. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, a lot of people will say, okay, well, that sounds good that we're going to be able to craft a, a settlement, but, but we don't see eye to eye on anything. We can't agree on anything. How can the collaborative divorce process help us reach a resolution when it feels like that's just not a possibility? Well, it, the, the fact of the matter is, it, it's still going to be better than what the court can do because you may not see eye to eye with your, with your spouse and you may want a divorce and you may be fed up with dealing with their stuff, but you still know your spouse better than the judge is ever going to know your spouse. You still know your children better than the judge is ever going to know your children. And if you can put aside kind of those those feelings about your spouse that you may or may not you know feel all that great about and say you know what we need to craft something that's going to work you're, you're eventually going to be able to see options that are going to fit together even if y'all don't agree you're going to surround yourself with a team of four professionals who have immense amounts of experience in this process who are going to say look here's an option here's an option here's an option Y'all don't agree, but what y'all don't agree with, these options fit on both sides of that. And all of a sudden, these light bulbs go off for, for clients, and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I didn't even realize that even though we don't agree, we can still agree on this working. That's one of the things I think is so brilliant about the collaborative divorce process is the fact that it, it isn't dependent upon just the two of you to come up with solutions, but you actually are working with people who do this day in and day out, like you and me, right? Mm -hmm. and, and with a mental health professional and with a financial professional who, you know, together the team can really help you brainstorm options and come up with different kinds of solutions. And, you know, I think you get a much better, uh, a much better outcome than just trying to hammer at each other and, you know, tell well, the, the weakest one concedes. Well, absolutely. I mean, it, in a litigation process, you hire experts and your experts are there to forward your agenda. Uh, you, you hire a financial expert and that expert creates a financial profile of businesses or tracing assets or whatever that forwards whatever your agenda is. In the collaborative process, you hire a neutral financial professional who gathers all the information and then educates everyone, the lawyers, both clients, even your mental health professional. Your mental health professional is there to help you craft that parenting plan, that co-parenting plan that's going to be sustainable in the future. And it gives you years and years of experience. You can bring in a child specialist and give your children a voice in the room, not a vote, but a voice in the room. It's the only process where you have four or five professionals who are entirely dedicated to helping you resolve the conflict rather than helping you to escalate the conflict. So let's talk about that dedication for a moment, because one of the unique things about the collaborative divorce process is what we call the collaborative commitment, which is the professionals are actually committing to help resolve the conflict as well. And, um, and one of the pushbacks it gets, especially from other lawyers, is because if the case doesn't settle, then the parties have to fire their lawyers and start over. How do you see the collaborative commitment really um, helping families in this process? 
Well, like I said, um, the collaborative commitment creates that push for four professionals to be solely focused on resolution. It, it, because they cannot say, hey, let's throw this all away, uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater and let's run to the courthouse and do whatever. It, it removes the sort of Damocles that hangs over any negotiations in a litigation case, which is we can just run to the courthouse if we can't agree. It's either my way or the highway. Instead, lawyers are forced to be creative. Lawyers are forced to actually use their creativity and their experience and say, you know what? This may not feel right to you, but let's see. This is something I've seen somebody else do. Does that sound like an option that would work for you? Or how about this? Or how about that? And we start bouncing all these ideas off of each other based on our experience because we're invested in getting the family to a resolution that's going to be lasting and sustainable moving forward. The collaborative commitment is what creates that. It's not a commitment by the lawyers per se. It is a contract between the parties. It is a contract between the clients to come together and say, you know what? We don't want to go to court. We don't want to pull our family into the courtroom and throw everything at the feet of a judge. We want to do this a different way. And part of doing it a different way is committing our attorneys who we've selected because we believe they're going to represent our interests. We're going to commit them to this process and we're going to prevent them from trying to run to the courthouse. And that's the contractual agreement. That's the collaborative commitment that these clients are entering into. And uh, to me, it is one of the most unique things uh, that, that I've ever seen in the law. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think um, there's a real paradigm shift that happens because in a traditional divorce setting, you know, usually people think of their lawyers as battling it out and fighting each against each other and just escalating the conflict. Mm -hmm. But in the collaborative setting, really, we're laying down our own weapons and we're working with each other to come up with those creative solutions. And I, I think it carries with it just a whole different tenor. And so it is actually good for lawyers to get along, <laughs> especially in the collaborative <laughs> process, right? Right. And I think that's one of the joys of getting to practice with wonderful professionals like you who really care about the work that you're doing uh, with families. Um, all right, talk to us a little bit about the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. What is that? So the IACP um, is an international organization. It's a 501c3 uh, nonprofit corporation in the US. Uh, we are based in California. Um, but we are charged with creating a collaborative community uh, that will help families to be able to resolve their disputes in a, in a consensual way. Uh, we are co committed to forwarding not only collaborative practice, uh, primarily collaborative practice, but really any consensual dispute resolution model, any way that families can come together and resolve their disputes in a way that does not involve a third party arbiter of any sort. Um, and we engage in training for professionals. We engage in uh, public education. Uh, we train all over the world. Uh, as the president of the IACP, 
I traveled to Malaysia and presented and uh, Hong Kong and presented and uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil uh, and presented at an international conference there. Um, it, it's, it, it's truly an amazing organization just reaching out around the world. We just finished uh, our forum last night. Uh, we, we have an annual forum and this year it was, it was a uh, virtual forum, which is always interesting. Uh, we took what is normally a, uh, a four-day, five-day event and turned it into a 10-day event. Wow. Um, and we wrapped it up last night. And it was really amazing to sit in these three-hour Zoom presentations, going into breakout rooms and having conversations with people all over the world. Uh, I had I had people from Malaysia and Hong Kong and Italy and Brazil and uh, all of these folks in these little breakout rooms in these uh, pre-forum institute learning uh, situations. And it's just amazing that they all took the time to sit down and say, I want to learn more about collaborative practice. I want to learn from some of the uh, leading practitioners in the world. And, and the fact that the organization was able to put that together and bring it to people, and we had 600 registrants. That's amazing. It was amazing. You know what I find really exciting about that is um, across the world, you have the differences in cultures and the differences in languages, and yet you all are sharing a commitment. We all are sharing a commitment to families and helping better and improve our, our lives as families. And resolving conflict is such an important piece of that. So it's such important work that's being done. And I love to hear that, you know, that the collaborative movement is spreading um, just you know, beyond even the United States, so that's great. Yeah, it's it's really, really amazing. Uh, we have we have members of the IACP in twenty five different countries, um, six of the seven continents. Um, it, it's it really is an international, uh, a, an international movement, and it's amazing to me when I look around Dallas and I say, why don't more people know about collaborative divorce when they've trained a thousand practitioners in Brazil, a thousand practitioners in the past four years. That's amazing. Yes. Why do you think that is? I, I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know if there's a, a pushback against uh, the idea of collaborative divorce. Um, maybe there's just an ingrained societal feeling that a, a divorce has to be, you know, butting heads right you know you know it has, it has to be war of the roses i guess <laughs> <laughs> that is certainly the image that comes up and yet you and i both know that it doesn't have to be that way and we know that when families are able to transition through the divorce process in a constructive manner that you know life goes on and it's okay and the children are not only okay but they're great because you know the parents are able to bring the best of their parenting skills to the table mm -hmm. Um, and so when we get to see that, you know, over and over again, it affirms how important it is. Um, how did you first learn about collaborative practice? You know, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate um, in the fact that I practiced law with my, my mother and my stepfather, um, which means that I had a lot more freedom than your average associate would to uh, kind of explore different things. And uh, they had both been trained and... Um, so I, I, I heard about it. I, I 
was like, you know, that, that sounds like something that I'd, I'd like to do. Uh, so I went and took a training. Uh, I, I believe that you were actually uh, working in the office because uh, <laughs> Jan Janet Brumley did my first training. And uh, so I was I was probably in your office at the time. She's a great trainer. She I'm very is. thankful to her for her training. <clears throat> um, but so I, I, I went to go check it out. And I was like, you know what? This fits. This fits with what my my ideas of uh, of what this work should be. Um, not necessarily what it is most of the time and, and not necessarily uh, when you say uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a divorce lawyer, what, <laughs> what people outside uh, may think, um, but it fits with really what we should be doing as, uh, as family law professionals. You know, I always um, just feel and think and believe that our families are precious and we need to tread carefully um, in terms of how we, you know, how we as professionals deal with the conflict that impacts families because, because we know what a destructive impact it can have. I want to thank you for your commitment, Chris, to everything you're doing to help spread the collaborative word and also for coming here today to talk about it. Well, it's my pleasure, Jennifer, and I really appreciate you having me here. Um, it, it's been a great conversation. Awesome. Well, let's make sure it continues. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. That's all. <laughs>